From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Good morning. Happy Monday. It's the 12th of February 2024. It's half term in the UK. So you see that most of the kids are off and I am 50 days sober today. So um, I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling good. So let's have a great week, everyone. And uh, if you want to listen or replay any of the TNT shows, you can do that on the TNT website uh, or any major streaming platforms. You don't have to miss anything here on today's news talk uh, this is open line of course and i'm natalie chill rick munn and Gemma cooper are also on the way and john porter and simon gold our guests as well john's going to be talking us to, about the a and e problem we have here in the uk but we've got another breaking nhs story as well here this morning uh, one in five nhs jobs now are filled by you non-uk nationals rick uh, we've got uh, one third of doctors three in ten nurses the highest proportion since record began it doesn't look like it's very sustainable does it no, it doesn't. And, you know, one in five uh, jobs, percentage-wise, that's 20% are non-UK uh, nationals. But when you actually break it down into doctors and nurses, like uh, a third, which is 33% of doctors, and three in 10 nurses, uh, which is 30%. Actually, I'm wondering where they get the figures from, because 33% of doctors are non-nationals and 30% of nurses are non-nationals, but they say it's 20% overall. Uh, the mathematics aren't quite adding up in this one as well. I'm, pres it's a bit, I'm uh, presuming it's a bit they're adding one. things like occupational therapists, uh, porters, um, all, all mm. of that type of thing. But uh, yeah, the figures the figures are going up. September 2023, it's 20%, but it used to be 13% in 2016 and 11.9% uh, in 2009. So, I mean, if it carries on increasing, uh, we can't have more more and more people coming into the UK. We simply don't have the room and we don't have even the facilities for the hospitals no. themselves. They'll have to be treating themselves. Uh, if you get ill, uh, you know, come over and then uh, just treat yourself in the hospital. I don't know how it's going to carry on working. Uh, but yeah, it's the waiting lists are the highest they've ever been. Uh, it's not looking good at all for the NHS. So I would just say uh, my recommendation is, uh, Rick, at the moment, just try not to get ill. Keep yeah. keep yourself healthy. Uh, I don't yep. particularly want to be uh, getting rushed into the uh, NHS anytime soon. Do you? No, uh, the figures as well, uh, <clears throat> the chief executive of the NHS employers, a chap called Danny Mortimer, said the numbers show, and he, this is them trying to put a positive spin on this, the numbers show how reliant the NHS has become on its talented international workforce. That's not something to boast about, yet with all he's trying to put a positive spin on it, and he added in that without them, it could very easily have buckled under the pressure that it has been put under. So I would be spinning that question around again, saying, well, uh, why do we have to bring this amount of non-nationals in? In such numbers, by the way, you know, 33% of doctors, 30% of nurses is a huge figure. Why are we having to do that? Where is the, the local talent? Where are the people that have been, where, where are the, the doctors and nurses of the future? in the UK at the minute that we're having to bring so many people in from overseas. That's a question I would be asking uh, Danny Mortimer, uh, Chief Executive of NHS Employers. That's the question I would be asking him this morning. It's, 
It's also worth noting that there are uh, loads of empty roles as well. Currently, uh, 120,000 jobs empty still across NHS England. Uh, the Nuffield Trust researcher says this is far from a sustainable long-term solution. Uh, there is a plan, of course, uh, from the Tories to say uh, that they're going to try and cut those numbers down of foreign nationals and double the number of places in medical school for homegrown graduates. But I don't think anybody is seeing any evidence of that at the moment. And they've still got loads of uh, jobs that they need to fill, Rick. So it's it's not looking positive, is it? No, no, 120K. <laughs> and, you know, if the figures, these figures are anything to go by, you know, you can take a third of those, uh, approximately 20 to 30% of those that'll be filled by non-nationals again, because they're certainly not going to be yeah. filling them uh, from UK nationals. So grim, uh, grim projections there for the NHS, uh, I think, going forward now. Yeah, it does. And uh, make sure you carry on listening because we've got more grim stories to cover with John later about the NHS as well. But we're going to take a quick pause here on today's News Talk and we've got Gemma to come next. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, Gemma. Uh, no rush to be going into the NHS at the moment. Is uh, King keeping fit and healthy, I hope, for yourself? Yes, well, you know, let's not tempt fate, but uh, I think that's the, the the key for so many of us like, since the last four years is like people just don't want to go anywhere near official health bodies, whether it be the GP, Big Pharma, the hospital. I mean, just you know, so many people just realize now what it actually means and what healthcare in official terms means. It's anything but most of the time. But uh, I wonder if, you know, this recruitment and retention crisis that the NHS clearly has with talent is is, is simply to do with wages that can be earned abroad while people come in, non-UK nationals, because they see that money can be earned by working in the NHS. Similarly, our own doctors and nurses go go to places like America, where the pay is much higher and they feel more rewarded for their skill set. It might just be simple flow of economics with this one. Um, and obviously the junior doctors are set to go out and uh, the doctors rather are set to go out and strike again uh, just a few days time. Um, so you know, I think it's next week, actually, the 24th, uh, there's due to be further strike action over pay. Um, so, you know, we've discussed this so many times about money in the public sector and where our, where our taxpayers' money go. We've got no problem finding money to fund wars too at the moment. Uh, and, and seemingly can't sort out healthcare on, on or dentistry, as we saw last week with the headlines, or, or on the on the on the doorstep with people who pay for those services. So yeah, it's in a it's in a mess. Uh, and I'd be very interested to hear the stories that your guest is going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so we're also there trying to say on June the 24th, stay home and save lives. Uh, no junior doctors, uh, an absolute mess. Probably just best to stay at home in case you have an accident, Gemma. Uh, but we've got uh, another story for you to cover. Diversity, inclusion, I think it is, isn't it? It is indeed, and it's another recruitment and retention crisis, but this time in our armed forces, as we've discussed at length over the last few weeks since the uh, the word conscription was banded around because we might all be at war with Russia in, in, in just a few years' time. Um, and it's highlighted the, the, the disgraceful state of recruitment in our, all our armed forces, the Royal Air Force, the Royal Navy and the Army. Um, and today, Grant Shapps says he's going to take issue with all of this and the recruitment policies because he says they've become too woke. And the point is, is if you have all these woke policies, you don't focus on recruitment and retention, you focus on political ideology. And he says he's had enough. Uh, he's come out all guns blazing on this. And he's launching a huge review of ethnicity, diversity and inclusivity procedures within recruitment in the army today after talking with top military brass over the weekend who say the situation is unsustainable and the and the UK armed forces, which used to be the envy of the world, have become something of a laughing stock. 
Um, so it, there was even talk uh, last year of the, the Navy, uh, well, all the armed forces actually, considering relaxing security checks on personnel um, to get more numbers through the door because the crisis is actually quite staggering. You know, if, if it, we're going to lose 20,000 personnel over the next few years and we won't have an army or Navy uh, fit or Air Force fit for purpose. So they thought, well, one of the ways we can get around this is by loosening the security checks, um, and, which normally take about five years for the vetting process before you can be trained because they have to go into your background, counterterrorism, measure, all these kinds of things. Um, and Grant Shapps has said, right, firstly, that's not going to happen. He's come out all guns blazing on that. And he says he's going to um, look at really um, the, the diversity and inclusivity policies like unconscious bias training, gender neutral toilets. He says, you know, this is the British Army. There's no place for all of this wokeness. He's used the word woke quite a bit, actually, today. And he says, unless we sort these political ideologies out, we won't have an army that's the envy of the world and a fighting force. And he says, never has this been more important because he then banded about again, you know, we're likely to be at war with Russia in the next few years. And it's a lot of predictive programming going on with this. You know, we're going to be at war with Russia. It's being hammered at every return. Um, so they, they have launched, they did launch an ethnic minority recruitment drive uh, to get more, it was more women into the armed forces and more ethnic minorities to meet targets, but it did backfire. I mean, I think last year it was one of the branches of the armed forces had to apologize. I think it was the RAF for launching a recruitment drive on that basis and then finding out it was discriminating against white men, which were, you know, formerly the basis of the British army. So they went so far the other way, they got into trouble with that. And, and he said, I'm going to try and scrap all this. We need the best people. We need them in. We don't want to focus on woke agendas or, or diversity targets. We need the best people for the job. I think the wider question is why people don't want to join the armed forces anymore, why people join up and then leave in their droves. Um, they obviously don't like what they see once they the, the reality of the, the life in the forces hits them possibly, or, or who knows, who knows? There's never been a definitive study done. But today, this, this uh, huge review into recruitment is, is going gonna, is gonna to start, and he's, he says he's going to start by tackling woke agendas, which he says have no place in our armed forces. Mm. Well, what do you reckon, uh, Rick? He's a trustworthy man, eh? Grant <laughs> Shapps, if he tells you there's going to be no wokery in the army, that's it, it will be gone, won't it? Well, even if he does get rid of Wokery in the army, okay, let's assume he does that. He's he's bringing in, still bringing in diversity hires. And listen, I have no problem if the armed forces of Britain turns out to be 100% black or 100% Indian. It's got nothing to do with what race you are. The question is, why are the people being put into the jobs and what are they being promised up front? And then as Gemma rightly points out, they're being promised heaven, but maybe they're being delivered hell. And it's okay testing jobs. You know, when you get, you're starting out in your work career, you test this and you test that that's for me that's not for me when you sign up to the armed forces it's a big deal and you can't just decide you know when you're two weeks in oh, i've had enough of this it's not that easy to get back out of it again or worse still you know you're promised heaven and then the next thing you get signed up and then you're told by grand shops by the way there's your rifle you're off to the front line in kiev uh, on monday morning oh that's not what i signed up for that's not what the the recruitment officer told me so i think they're going to be promising a lot of people heaven uh natalie and uh Gemma in this recruitment drive but really uh delivering them hell when they actually get into the armed forces because they're not what they were they're not uh what they were back in their glory days yeah um and he was saying about uh you know 
the British Army being an envy. I don't think that's the case anymore. And uh, it's uh, there are certain jobs for me uh, where it's just not suitable to have this diversity and inclusivity. Uh, you know, being a fireman, being a policeman, uh, being a member of the armed forces, you need to be strong, you need to be fit. And unfortunately, uh, going back to the kind of, uh, you know, trans women debate and all of this, a lot of women just won't be able to keep up with men. Men are physically stronger. That's just the way it is and if you had the whole front line full of women against a whole bunch line you know full of men what do you think is going to happen Gemma do you, do you think the women have got a chance against an army full of men uh, I do actually yeah I think uh, I think I, <laughs> I do think that if, <laughs> you asked the wrong yeah. person I think <laughs> that strategy strategy, uh, you know, thinking ahead, multitasking, they're all good skills to have on the battlefield. And, you know, I'm not disparaging men in any way. Men have, men have proven themselves on the battlefield for, for you know, millennia. Um, but I think women have, have got different skill sets and I do think they could be, can be ex exploited in the same way that men's skill sets can. Um, but I'm yeah. more interested in this story of like why nobody's asking people, why did you leave the forces? What, why did you leave? And of course, you know, they're only limited to what they can say because you sign the Official Secrets Act and that, that does bind you. But people are leaving in record, record numbers. And that's that's really the story here. Not well, not all these kind of, you know, politician says this, politician says that. You're quite right, Natalie. Do we trust them? No, we don't. Um, but why are people leaving? It used to be seen as such an incredibly honourable uh, career and, and a way to make a living. And now that seems to have gone out the window. Yeah, yeah, numbers numbers are down. People are leaving. Uh, do you want the final word on this one, Rick? Before we have to go to the break. No, just uh, you know, interesting one. It would be good to get some uh, views and opinions from some of the ex uh, service men and or women in our live chat. I know there's a few of them out there. Uh, what do you think is the British Army what it once was, or uh, is it no longer uh, the envy of the world? Uh, ex service people, we're talking about. Let's get your thoughts and perspective in the live chat before we bring on uh, Simon Gold. That's brilliant. Yeah, so uh, get on the online chat. And remember, you can also call in at the end of the show if you've got any views on this one as well. Thank you for bringing that to us, Gemma. And uh, we've got Simon Gold next here on today's News Talk. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people still testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I, just, I just did my eighth test. Oh, and okay. um, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk. TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
Okay, okay, it's all good here in the TNT hood. We're joined again by the one and only Simon Gold, aka the Gold Eagle, the Welsh Gold Eagle. I think he's one of a kind, the Welsh Gold Eagle. Uh, he is a social commentator and also a correspondent with UNN Unity News Network, and he's very kindly agreed to join us again this morning. How are you, or should I say, Borida Simon? How do you think of that for my Welsh this morning? My Welsh, what do you think, boyo? You sound more uh, well, like you're from well, Pakistan. That, 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 that did sound a little bit like a, a Pakistani. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 it's like, but but you but you tried very hard there, Rick. Yes, uh, <laughs> Burida, Burida, uh, Shamai as well means uh, uh, like hiya, uh, which is which is oh. which is more Welsh. I like as that. Well. Shamai, uh, Shamai, uh, Shamai. Very a very warm welcome from a very cold eagle. It, it's still it's still freezing here in uh, South Wales. I can't wait till we have our three four days of summer. Mm. <laughs> well, the sun the sun's shining where I am. Actually, the temperatures are weird at the minute over here. They're fluctuating wildly between literally minus three and plus ten week to week at the minute so it's a little bit warmer here this morning thankfully so let's hope fingers crossed uh things heat up in the old eagle's nest for you we don't want you dropping any feathers and popping your clogs with hypothermia before the spring comes in uh wheels let's talk wheels this morning simon um the welsh labor how will wales first minister get elected so there's talk here that by mid-march which is literally uh four weeks away we will know who will take over the welsh government and become wales next first minister so vaughan gething or jeremy miles are engaged in a contest to lead welsh labor but unlike senate election only a small group of people get a say so this is quite strange here we have drakeford exiting uh, stage left and either gething or jeremy miles coming in stage right a little bit like when boris quit uh, trust was just inserted without an election then when she was ousted uh, sunak was inserted really without an election is it the same type of principle here for wheels well, uh, you, you were talking earlier uh, with Gemma about diversity, and it, it's really nice to see that uh, we, we have here uh, two contestants. So it's a two horse race. Uh, so Vaughan Gething uh, was born in Zambia uh, from a Welsh father uh, who was known as an economic migrant, he describes him as. Uh, and uh, uh, also as well, then his uh, opponent, Jeremy Miles, um, who uh, uh, he uh, is a member of, sorry, he's not a member, he's in the pink list uh, is maybe mm. the best way to say it. But you, you also were talking earlier as well uh, about uh, the, the stairway to heaven and the highway to hell. And as you know, we mm. discussed last time I was on about this 20 mile per hour uh, uh, absolute ridiculousness that's going on in Wales. And this weekend... I think Vaughan Gething, if you are a betting man, I'd put it all on this man uh, because uh, he has come out and he has said that the... Uh, um, sorry, I was distracted by uh, Natalie writing notes in chat. <laughs> uh, yeah, he has come out and he said that it's ridiculous and that it needs to be scrapped. Not completely, uh, but like I was saying, in just certain areas, having that 20 mile an hour around schools, built up areas, uh, you know, places where children think. So there is, within the Labour Party, maybe a little bit of common sense and a vote winner. Mm. Nat, what do you reckon? I mean, this 20 mile an hour thing uh, linking in with literally the next uh, Welsh uh, Prime Minister, First Minister here, 
even he realizes this could be a vote winner. Is that a reflection of just how hacked off the Welsh must surely be uh, having to tootle around at 20 miles per hour in large parts of Wales? That would drive yeah. anyone crazy. I've tried it. I've actually voluntarily tried to drive at 20 miles an hour, even late at night when there's no cars in the road. And I, I don't know. I just think it's it's nigh on impossible how the Welsh have done it up okay. until now. I do not know. I think the Welsh are the most unhappy in the UK, even more so than uh, uh, than England. Or, well, maybe Scotland. I don't know. The Scottish aren't really very happy after Sturgeon and uh, oh, Youssef, are they? <laughs> they're, they're miserable. They're miserable up there as well. The uh, but it seems like to me a bit of a choice. You know, if you had to really choose, do you want to go stay with Ted Bundy or Fred West? You know, mm. there's not much of a choice there, are there? It seems to me that Vaughan Geffen and Jerry Miles is much the same type of choice. Um, it. it it's the it, what's the best of a very very bad bunch probably both horrendous uh and uh, it also says that it could be rigged and it could be uh cheating going on because the only people that can vote uh are those that are either a labor party member or part of a union so it's possible that you could be a labor party member and part of uh, several unions so you could actually vote for three or four or five times or or if you if you choose to but they do say bbc wales have said that there are various checks to ensure this rule has not been breached. But to me, uh, if, if you wanted to, there could certainly be some cheating going on, couldn't there, Simon? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's already decided uh, anyway. Most of this stuff is already planned. But um, going back to the, this 20 mile per hour, uh, it's a perfect example of how they test things. And we saw this during COVID, you know, when they were talking about, first of all, they start talking about it and then they implement it. Uh, and they were doing this with the passports and things. Like that. And what they're doing is they're testing the waters to see what the Welsh will do. And to be honest, I mean, there was a lot of kickback. There was a petition that uh, was signed by more people than voted for Labour. So that should have told Labour that, you know, look, we've got an issue here. So it, it was good to see, but uh, I, I'm still I'm still wanting people out on the roads. And as uh, you, um, uh, uh, I was listening to where uh, Dee Dee Denslow uh, had uh, uh, Geffen, um, uh, Win 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 Jones, uh, a, a Welsh farmer, uh, was on his show uh, on this Sunday. And and the farmers are actually now getting behind, you know, look, we're, we're not going to take this anymore. And uh, I'd like to see a lot more from, uh, it, there's a Welsh word called wheel. It's a bit of wheel. Um, uh, we didn't see much of it on the on the rugby pitch uh, on, on Saturday, but, but that's what I'd like to see from the Welsh people. Uh, a, a bit of, you know, engagement, a bit of look, mm -hmm. you know, if we don't turn around and start doing something, then you've got to accept what's being given to us. And I, I, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not a happy bunny or a happy eagle at the moment with mm. what's going on in the world. Uh, one last thing here, um, Simon, it says that the, this this will really be rolling between the 16th of February. It says the ballot opens on the 16th of February, closes on the 14th of March. Uh, Natalie's already talked about who can vote, who's eligible for vote. Uh, so when the leader is elected, they won't immediately become first minister. There is a process that has to take place. Plans are not yet set in stone, but Drakeford uh, could well hold his first, uh, sorry, his final first minister's questions on the 19th of March. He would then need to resign. So he's he's effectively in in this limbo period at the minute where he's, you know, he's, he's, he's quit, but he hasn't gone officially yet. So we could be really looking at an 
another, you know, six weeks maybe of Drakeford around. Uh, Buckingham Palace will need to be informed and then his replacement would need to be confirmed. And if the stories are true about Charles and he's got cancer, you know, he's probably lying there in his sick bed, possibly. You know, can you imagine? Uh, excuse me, Your Majesty, uh, we've got breaking news from Wales. Uh, Mark Drakeford is handing in his air. Do, do you think I give a damn? Do you think I give a damn about Mark Drakeford? You know, it's it's not exactly going to break the palace, is it, uh, Sam? That, that, that is exactly it. And that's a very good impression of exactly... Well, it was better than the Welsh accent. Yeah, well, no, but, but it, it, <laughs> much better than the than the Welsh accent. But but you 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 can practice your your, your Welsh. Um, but yeah, Prince Charles. Uh, I mean, Wales. At the end of the day, as far as uh, England, the the, the monarchy, uh, they they're just like a, a little place, you know, uh, out out in the outback. Um, uh, the, we were given, you know, our own government uh, uh, on there. I was thinking, isn't it strange, right? The Welsh have got a government. The Scottish have got a government. But but the English haven't got a government. On oh, the Irish as well have got a government. But 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 the English one is Parliament, which Parliament rules all over. It's it's, it's a crazy world in which we live in. I get and I do get easily confused by everything. But uh, oh, yeah, join the club. Join the club. You know, uh, confusion you get is the every order. Day. Oh, yeah, it gets harder. The older you get to, you'll probably attest this too. Natalie and I are both, you know, she's into her 40s, I'm into my 50s. I don't even want to speculate as to what age you are, Sam, and I'm not going to put my foot in it. But as you get a little bit older, the old grey matter uh, tends to degenerate a little bit, and none more so, I would say, than the outgoing Welsh uh, First Minister, none other than Mark Drakeford. Uh, we've got to call time in this one for right now, but it's been a blast. Uh, we've covered a lot of Welsh-related issues here this morning, and please, if you haven't already done so, follow uh, Simon on his X or Twitter profile at Gold Eagle Media One, Gold Eagle Media One, and remember he is a part of UNN Unity News Network. So thank you very much uh, for beaming in this morning. It's always an absolute blast uh, talking to you, Simon. We've got to take a headline break right now, but we will be right back uh, afterwards with John Porter joining us again. So don't go away. Stay tuned for more magic here on TNT today's news talk. Deadline TNT Radio News. Big news! Yeah! Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Less than two years after taking office, Hungary's first ever female president has sensationally resigned amid an unprecedented political scandal. US Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin has found himself back in hospital, this time with an emergent bladder issue. And Israel has launched a wave of violent airstrikes on the city of Rafa in southern Gaza, which has become the last place of refuge for nearly two million Palestinians displaced by the war. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. 
welcome back to Open Line and welcome the legend that is John Porter, regular TNT contributor now, social commentator and co-host of the brilliant Chasing Descent. Uh, make sure you follow him at A Collator and check out Chasing Descent on all major streaming platforms as well. He's here to discuss uh, a story from A&E. It was released over the weekend. Uh, a woman 39 years old was found unconscious during a seven-hour wait uh, during uh, A&E. She did later die three days later, uh, which is absolutely horrendous. She suffered a hemorrhage. She went there with a headache. There was three nurses that did check on her. By the time she was called, uh, she was already unconscious. Uh, This is not good enough, is it, John? People essentially dying while waiting in in our A&E departments. Well, as Rick says, I'm not happy, and but us Scottish aren't happy at the best of times. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I thought your Welsh was—I thought your Welsh accent was all right, Rick. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. To to be serious here, yeah, it, it's not good enough. But you know, the NHS isn't good enough these days. But the question is why? Because we're pumping 1.2 billion into the NHS every three days. That's an aircraft carrier every week. Every week. That's 52 aircraft carriers every year. So why is it not good enough? So the question is, like everything, we're dealing with incomplete information here when it comes to this particular lady. So she's turned up at A&E. Now, do you remember the adverts? The golden hour? You know, if something goes wrong, you really need to be in hospital or seeing a medical professional within that golden hour because if you get oh, there yeah. quickly enough, you'll, your your chances of survival are vastly increased. Now, something's either going very wrong with the triage or the nurses haven't really paid that much attention. And you know what? I'm going to have a little go at the medical profession here, not particularly nurses, but uh, the medical profession, but as is my want, that's what I normally do. We upset the police last week. Let's have a go at the doctors today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's happened with the NHS? Well, after 2020, um, GPs shut up their doors, didn't they? When they shut their doors in 2020, um, and we never saw them. I had a neighbour who was a GP because I had a house at that point before we were ruined. But our GP neighbour disappeared to her holiday home in Sky for almost six months because she wasn't doing any work in her practice. That's what GPs were doing. And I don't think that was an isolated incident. I think that was pretty much what GPs are doing. And they've got used to it because since I came back from France, I've been here, you know, what, over a, over a year and a half. I haven't seen a doctor. I've registered with a doctor. I've been for checkups, but I've never seen an actual doctor. Why? Yeah. Because you used to you used to be able to go to the doctor and you would get properly triaged. Because the doctor would look at you and go, right, okay, you're worrying about nothing. You know, just, just go home, put your feet up for a couple of days, have keep yourself, you know, hydrated and you'll be fine. But now everybody expects that little bit extra, don't they? So they all want antibiotics, even if it's a virus. They all want to be seen immediately. So they don't go to the doctor anymore because you can't go to the doctor. They go to the hospitals and the hospitals get packed with people waiting. What was it that Nottingham Hospital said? Sometimes there's 80 people waiting in A&E. 
No. Yeah, John, I was just going to say, I was there, la- I was, um, there yeah. last week at A&E in Reading. Um, it was so packed. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, this story's close to my heart anyway, because yeah. anyone that's uh, been listening to the show anyway knows I suffer from horrific tension headaches. Um, I probably saved my life, me calling an ambulance the last time in November, because this is very similar. When yeah. I last went in for A&E, I was triaged three times. Um, and uh, but it, it was a horrendous um, experience, only because I had an ambulance out and two paramedics were they able to then get me in blue lights get me on a morphine drip anti-sickness had i gone into a and e i wonder if i could have been that woman because you're literally just told to go and wait you're talking about triage the staff aren't even there john they're 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 literally there isn't enough staff in a and e to even look at the people Uh, it's a horrendous that's that's exactly the problem natalie because what we've done is we've replaced our doctors with a and e because the doctors yes. aren't really doing anything anymore. They're doing the odd call and whatever, and you've got to phone up. If, I mean, this crazy system where you have to phone before 8 o'clock to get an appointment for that day. Why not just make appointments like people can do anywhere else in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to have a meeting with you, Natalie. Can I have a meeting next Tuesday at 2 o'clock? Yeah. You'll check your diary. You go, yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah, they can't why do can't it we anymore. do that? Yeah, why can't no, we go uh, back to that? Why can't doctors do house calls anymore? Uh, Rick, have you tried to get a doctor's appointment? Because uh, John's right where I am. Um, They won't even give you a time anymore. It will be sometime we'll call you in the afternoon. They can't even Mm -hmm. give you a slot. For me personally, no. Thankfully, I haven't needed to. uh, I registered with a doctor recently whenever I moved house about, you know, eight months ago. I haven't needed to use the service yet. But last week, uh, John, we had a, I had a a guest on uh, Dr. Tech Kong. He was an ex-police surgeon and Mm -hmm. an ex-NHS doctor. And I asked him the same question. Like, how has it got to this point that we're discussing a story like this? And he said, look, there's multiple prongs. What you brought up there, uh, the lack of GP availability means more people are going Mm -hmm. to hospitals. The lack of competent management in hospitals to be able to Mm -hmm. process people when they're coming in. Staff shortages is another one. People going off long-term sick, people calling in sick, staff not being there. There's not enough staff to actually deal with this influx of people. And sadly, records are being broken because another story I covered off with him uh, last week was there's a hospital in Limerick, Limerick University Hospital in uh, in, um, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, They're breaking records week on week with trolley weights. It was up to 140 Mm -hmm. people last week on trolleys in the corridors waiting to be admitted into the hospitals. Think about that. 140 trolleys in the corridors waiting for beds. Shocking state of affairs altogether. But that just seems to be uh, the trajectory that the NHS is currently on. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And and the question is, how do you stop it? Well, I think think we go back to basics again. I think Mm -hmm. we go back to actually using doctors and GPs as doctors and GPs. You know, see patients, triage them. Let them know whether they need to go to hospital or not, because you can't use the hospitals as a mass unit, because that's effectively what we're trying to do now. And and sometimes I think hospitals and doctors, to a certain degree, have got themselves to blame because they pander to their patients now. Whereas a doctor used to go, I oh, give them a hot toddy and go to bed, you know. Now it's do this, do that, because they're frightened. They're frightened of getting sued. You know, I used to say we're 20 years behind America. We're probably slightly slightly more than that when it came to suing our medical profession. But effectively, that's where we are now. Doctors are frightened to do anything because they're going to get sued if they make a slight mistake. And that doesn't Uh, help, you know. 
Yeah. And I was going to say, John, another problem is that people are actually uh, in A&E in beds. Uh, my nan died, people know, a couple of weeks ago. She was actually in an A&E bed waiting to die because she was absolutely at the end of life. But they had no beds in the rest of the hospital. So you've actually got beds in the A&E to get in taken up by people who are at end of life. I mean, that's just yeah. another huge problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and it's like Rick says, the problem is mismanagement because there's plenty of money in the NHS. You don't need to throw any more money at it. What you need to do is use that money effectively. Stop paying people to play pianos in the foyer, you know. Stop having an art director that curates the, the, the works of art that you're going to put on the walls. You know, yeah. let's get back to basics. Let's go back to yeah. the 50s and 60s and do things properly. Get a matron, you know, triage yeah. people. And if they don't need to be there, send them home. You're yeah, and I think face-to-face -face we, we appointments, be, yeah. because, uh, yeah, you were saying like GPs, uh, where my yeah. uh, GP surgery is, they're still not doing face-to-face -face appointments. You have to beg to see somebody. So if, <laughs> if everybody across the country has only been seeing over the phone, John, how it's yeah. not people aren't going to get I mean, picked <laughs> up on serious illnesses, are they? It's like crazy because you go to the doctor for something, and, and there's the other thing, because now they're saying you can only go with one issue. If you've got yeah. two issues, you have to make two separate uh, appointments. I mean, come on. You go to the doctor for something and he picks up something else, like Charlie did, because Charlie wasn't in for cancer, was he? No, Charlie was he in wasn't. for something else, and they said, oh, you've got cancer. Could you make another appointment and come back and see us <laughs> next week? You know, that didn't happen, did it? But that's what they no. want us to do. Yeah, can you can you imagine for the older people? They've got ten ailments. They'll have to take up ten uh, the ten appointments. Yeah. Uh, nobody else, nobody young can be seen. Uh, the whole the whole system is absolutely ridiculous. But we that have run out broken. of time. I'm sure we could we I'm sure we could go on for the rest of the show talking oh, about could, the broken yeah. NHS. Yeah. Absolutely. But thanks to John again, and don't forget you can follow him on X at A Calator and uh, get watch all the Chasing Descent shows because they are absolutely brilliant with him and Ben. But we have to take a break now here on today's News Talk and plenty of more headline stories to cover on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. You gotta love the left-wing activists posing as journalists all over the media who go after Trump and 99% of them, you figure, really mean it. And then there's Joy Reid who exposed herself on a hot MSNBC microphone. Congressional Republicans love to latch on to President Biden and Democrats' successful policies and take credit for things they didn't do, while tying themselves into pretzels to do nothing for the American people for the sake of Donald Trump. Case in point, fixing what they say is a crisis at the border. With congressional negotiators continuing work on a bipartisan deal to tie border policy changes to funding for Ukraine, over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another fucking war. <laughs> First and foremost, rule number one in broadcasting, always assume a mic is hot. She was a fool to assume that the mic was off. Number two, I guess she really doesn't like Joe Biden that much. If she said he's going to start another effing war, huh, I guess even leftist Joe Biden isn't leftist enough for radical Joy Reid. Thanks to the hot mic, we know that. And don't forget, catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. 
The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. We are back and don't forget you can call in. Be brave. Call us. We want to hear your voice just like we heard at Holly's last week. Uh, we've got a story from Madagascar. I'm waiting for Rick's accent in a minute, uh, mm. but it is a serious story. Madagascar is set to castrate child rapists after Parliament passes law. Um, and it says that there really is a rape culture in Madagascar. In 2023, 600 cases of rape of a minor were recorded uh, and 133 in just this January alone. Uh, so the justice minister said it's a necessary move because of an increase in rapes against children. So uh, if they're under 10, they're going to actually surgically castrate them. Um, if they're above 10, they will chemically castrate them. Offenders now also face harsher sentences of up to life in prison as well. Now, uh, uh, there are uh, the human rights group Amnesty they're saying this is against people's human rights uh, while I do agree with them um, you know if you castrate someone and then they appeal and you find they're innocent that's a pretty uh, big sentence to, to, to find do you know what I mean um, yeah. but you know if you've got absolute evidence Rick do you think it really is that bad if you've been raping children you know yeah. is it is it that 100%. bad to be castrated no, I mean, like, I, I firmly believe, you know, the problem with crime these days is there's no deterrent. There's nothing that will strike fear into criminals' hearts. Many people that we're seeing going through the Irish justice system at the minute, for example, that have been uh, abusing, uh, you know, committing uh, sexual abuse crimes against women, against other men, against children. They're getting off with suspended sentences, child pornography, suspended sentences. There's no deterrent out there, Natalie. And whilst it's brutal and it's a very, very uh, final way to deal with someone in a certain part of their body as you've pointed out unless it's absolutely nailed down that they're guilty there's no shadow of a doubt that they're actually guilty well then i think uh, they should go ahead and yep. send a message out there because it will make people think twice before they commit crimes like this again and it will how would you say curb the offender's tendency to do that again and who's protected in all this if it means that another child doesn't get abused and another child doesn't have their life destroyed because don't forget whenever people talk about sexual abuse you know they focus on the act of abuse itself but it's not one act or it's not several acts this is a, a lifetime that that child will have to process that abuse deal with that abuse have followed in the rest of their life around that abuse incident while the perpetrator yeah, yeah. very often goes on to continue to abuse other children so 100% I'm against uh, brutal measures like this against in my opinion the lowest form of scum that walk the face of the earth which is those who abuse children 
Yeah. So the justice minister says we want to protect children much more. The younger the child, the greater the punishment will be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I actually completely and utterly agree. I don't think it's a human rights issue unless there's any question. So if you've got cases where it's the only evidence you've got is one person's word against another, it's probably not suitable for, to be chemically castrated or surgically castrated. Mm -hmm. However, in cases where you've got people who have repeat offenders, who you've got mm -hmm. Uh, DNA evidence um, and all of those things where you've got a mountain of evidence I cannot see any problem they are a risk to society they are risk to children they have chosen to do such a heinous act um, you know and, and and it does protect people if you if you do castrate someone they cannot do that same act again they are, they are not physically able to rape someone mm -hmm. so uh, I didn't realise as well a handful of other countries have already got that so there is some chemical castration in South Korea and the US surgical castration is rarer but countries like Nigeria and the Czech Republic do implement that procedure under its laws mm. which I wasn't aware of Rick there's a lot of places listen uh, there's a lot of brutal how would you say local justice carried out in many many areas of the world that we you know for people looking in from the outside they think that's too far that's too extreme a lot of these communities that we're talking about the abuse that this happens. They don't have a, a decent police force. They don't have a criminal investigation. Very often, mob justice is dealt out. And very often, it's dealt out when someone's caught in the act of committing a crime, for example, rape or abusing a child or physical abuse or whatever it happens to be. A lot of these people are actually caught in the community doing this. And when they are, they're usually lynched severely or killed. And let me tell you this, having been to certain parts of the world where this type of mob justice is carried out, in the absence of the police, in the absence of army, in the absence of any other protection, believe me, it does deter people from wanting to do it again when they remember the last lynching that they saw, whilst again, I'm not you know, advocating violence and stuff, but I can understand people's uh, uh, sentiment and mentality with this, it does send out a very chilling and a very gruesome message to perpetrators that does stop them in their tracks before they maybe uh, have the urge to commit those crimes themselves. So it's brutal, but it does seem to work in certain places. I think also it's also worth saying, you know, that there needs to be a deterrent for crimes. Absolutely. Um, no good without it. But it is also worth getting to the root of the problem. To say that Madagascar has a rape culture is quite a statement indeed. Um, and so often, particularly in terms of sexual abuse, it comes from being sexually abused yourself as a child. So there seems to be probably there a societal problem with dysfunctional families. You take someone like R. Kelly, who was obviously very famous for, for horrendous sex crimes. He, of course, was sexually abused repeatedly repeatedly by his uncle as a child. So there seems to me, if there is some big rape culture, there's also issues that need to be addressed in society and probably families and uh, and, and and that dysfunction continuing. Uh, so not just a deterrent, there needs to be better education as well, I think, Rick, overall, and uh, healing uh, from trauma, which uh, people don't focus on either. No, they don't. And again, in the, the places that we're talking about, Madagascar, which is an island that uh, rests just off the east coast of Africa, there's not a lot of money there, Natalie. Like, they don't have uh, counselling infrastructure. They don't have uh, awareness campaigns. That's why they have to resort to measures like yes. this. This drives yeah. the message home, bypasses all the yes, other things does. and gets straight to the heart of the matter. So brutal, but I would say yes. effective in uh, Madagascar. Yeah.
Absolutely. Uh, we're moving now to the UK. The body shop is set to appoint administrators in the UK. Now, it used to be known as uh, the ethical company. Uh, of course, it. some said it sold out. Uh, it, uh, the Dame uh, Anita sold the company to L'Oreal uh, for $652 million, and some saw it as a betrayal of ethical values. Uh, since then, uh, uh, the Brazilian beauty giant uh, sold it to Natura for $880 million. And then uh, recently, the company Olores uh, bought it for $207 million. That is a massive jump down. Um, and it looks like they said... Uh, it's unlikely that the brand will completely disappear, Rick, but it looks like there's going to be a lot of shops gone, a lot of staff being moved. Um, it, it, it's not looking good for the body shop. They're le losing money left, right and centre. It's another uh, nail in the coffin of the high street. Natalie is the way I looked at this one. Yep. When I cast my mind back, you know, when I was a teenager, you used to go into town every Saturday, walking up and down. You had all the brand names. You had Woolworths where they're, yep. they're now gone. We had top shops. I know they're still trading, but all the major shops in the local towns yep. that I live in have all closed. Body Shop yep. was another one. It was always there. It's now effectively uh, all on its last legs. So all these bigger names are slowly dying off one by one of the value of them is uh, plummeting through the floor. And I've always thought, and I believe that if the big massive multinationals can't operate on the high street and can't cut it on the high street with their business models that have always been successful, what message does that give out to the smaller traders who are hoping to carve a niche out uh, in town centers? I think it's. Uh, I think it would be worrying to be looking at these companies and saying, well, if they can't make it, I'm going to struggle to survive here in Reading High Street or in Belfast High Street. Yeah, I mean, and what happened here as well, uh, L'Oreal brought it and uh, wanted to get more profit. So they moved manufacturing to the Philippines, which be meant better profit margins. So supposedly, uh, but then somebody said, you can't cheapen everything, remove the values and take more profit without the customers noticing and going mm -hmm. elsewhere. And it also adds that they are hoping to strengthen their digital platforms. So it looks to me their new plan is going to be to remove the shops from the high street, Rick, and Body Shop will start to go digital as uh, Will Coatle suggested they will. It looks like, uh, as we've said before, the death of the high street, these firms are going to continue, but it's going to be online. And uh, that's the only way that if they don't have to pay the shops, if they don't have to pay their staff, they can keep up those profit margins, can't they? They can. And uh, as well, it's worth noting that when Body Shop started out, uh, Anita Broderick, I think her name is, when she started it all off, yeah. there was a real niche in the market. So it was all put yes. forward as something being natural, an alternative to the multinational companies like L'Oreal or any of the big pharmaceutical companies dealing in makeup. And then, of course, then they were bought out by L'Oreal, which goes a little bit at odds with what the brand was all about in the first place. So we're TNT, today's news talk. We uh, like the fuse for freedom, mandate that the truth be told. That's why people are listening to us right now. Can you imagine if we were bought out by someone like CNN and then we stopped Rupert uh, telling or something. the truth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you get me? So yeah, people, it's, are, it's, people are coming yeah. to us for a reason. And then if we're bought out by someone and then we start diluting what our brand really, really is all about and what the niche is that we have, yeah. we're going to lose listeners people are going to turn off us and we're going to tank as well so an important lesson in this one as well is if you have a product that's done well on based on a certain philosophy or a certain way of operation if you mess with if that it's lights out it, yeah that's what will happen in the end absolutely and uh, somewhere else we can fit another story in before we go that's completely messed up 
is uh i think it's uh fulham fulham uh council so uh they've got another little another low traffic neighborhood it happening once again but this is actually quite concerning uber drivers will not enter the new low traffic new neighborhood the controversial zone which means it's dropping women off late at night um at a particular place because they refuse to enter and pay the new charge and they have to walk on their own up to 20 minutes home at night I mean, I mean, we're we not talking again safety at the moment. Oh, uh, mm. you know, uh, money over safety. You know, so if a couple of women get killed, oh, never mind. At least we might have saved saved the planet in two hundred years. Is this good enough? Should it should no. should that be happening? Well, the the focus. It's an interesting one. Uh, that this one that you've highlighted this morning, because I hadn't thought about it from this angle. I was looking at it more from you know people that are struggling financially at the minute are being screwed even harder for money by these low uh, low traffic neighbourhood charges. We've seen about emergency services sometimes can't get through because of the roads are covered with these bollards they can't drive past them that could cause lives as well but i hadn't uh, actually thought about it no until i hadn't I saw this story that. about the, yeah. the 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 taxis and you know if they are getting charged what do they do do they, do they give the passenger an option like natalie uh, if you want me to drop you right off to the, the door like i would normally do it's going to cost you an extra 15 quid <clears throat> some people i think would be prepared to pay that but again the question is well why should they if you have no money left in your purse and you've budgeted for a taxi and you have no other option but the walk, you know, that could be putting your life uh, in danger. So this is another strand of this. And especially at night as well, the traffic levels are going to be so low, Natalie, compared to, for example, eight o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the afternoon. Surely there should be exemptions given for taxis or transport operating at night to get people home safely, given that the roads are pretty much empty at that time anyway. It says that black cabs are exempt from fines, but Uber is yet to find a solution with the council. As a result, passengers are dropped off at a boundary road and must walk up to 20 minutes. Um, and again, that might be all right if you're a big burly bloke. Not so much if you're a woman out on a night out in heels. So one particular lady, Hilary Cannon, she started a WhatsApp group. She started it on Instagram. She said, you know, if you're in this area, can you can join it? Can you circulate this video? We want to try and keep women safe. Uh, so if you're in that area, you can text that group. Uh, it's amassed over 2000 likes and, and she's trying to keep women safe in the area. But that shouldn't be needed for a low traffic neighborhood. I mean, good on the lady for doing it and trying to get the situation sorted. But should she really need to do that, Rick? Um, no. You know, this is councils no. that are putting this in. This is a council that's actually making women feel unsafe. What should be the priority? Making sure women get home safe at the moment or worrying out possible climate problems in 200 years <laughs> that, that, that we, you know, if a woman dies, does it matter? Will that, do you think Fulham Council are going to care? No, I don't think they're going to occur at all, but it's, it is heartening that at least these independent groups are springing up support groups in the area. It would be good for people to network in that particular area. And I mean, like a statutory lesson at the minute, and you do make a good point, you know, maybe if you're a big burly bloke walking home on your own, listen, even the big burly blokes are yeah. getting stabbed by feral gangs at the minute too. And I'm a very big uh, believer in, uh, you know, uh, you know, situational awareness uh, if you have a bad feeling about something it's not worth the risk it's not worth the risk unless you can pretty much assure that you could get home safely for example 
walking home for 20 minutes late at night, maybe you've had a few drinks after a night out. Is it really worth the risk that you could take a wrong turn or somebody could fall in behind you? I'm not saying you should live in fear and terror, but I'm just saying situational awareness is very, very important. And sometimes it's just not worth the risk. So if you can't get home to the door, if you don't know that you can get home to the yeah. door, maybe it's not worth going out on that particular night or join a group like the one that you've just said and make arrangements. Yeah. Listen, girls, I'm going out here, you know, operate a designated driver service for each other, help each other out in that respect. But please always put your safety above uh, fun, yeah. perceived fun on a night out as well. But it also seems a red tape issue. Just quickly before we go, Uber, uh, the council said, Uber has said there are data protection issues which prevent them sharing the number plates of their driver. We're confident this can be resolved, but there's a technical issue at the moment. Uber say we are aware of these concerns and continue to be in conversation with Hammersmith and Fulham Council to try to find a workable solution. So really, it's just it's just a load of red tape. They, you know, Wouldn't you try to get women safe first before worrying all about this? But no, of course they don't. So make sure you keep out uh, safe out there instead. It's one minute to go so it's time to say goodbye uh we've had a great time here on open line i will be back tomorrow at 9 a.m and of course you can carry on listening to rick at locked and loaded uh he will have an action packed show with guests there as well and uh yeah it's only time for me to say one more thing because i know rick will want me to uh mm. bye bye and have a great day bye bye